Welcome to Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared. On today's show, I interview Todd Grips Anderson. He is a chef, a social media influencer, and an artist. I hope you enjoy the show. Solidarity forever. to influence and people and who's your audience uh my influence is basically critical thinking thinking for yourself uh mental awareness uh awareness of the music um art and life um just society uh, future reality, like AI, and just being aware of where they're going in life, pretty much. I just try to keep them focused on themselves without ego, pretty much. You know what I mean? How do you how do you connect with people? What's your platform that you use the most? Uh, my most times I use Facebook, Twitter. Kind of died down on me because of all the new stuff going on over there. Um, Instagram is a pretty good site. TikTok, um, I'm really starting to kind of learn that more and more. So basically TikTok and Facebook. So you do a lot of videos uh, where you do like talks and stuff or where you'll, um, you know, maybe have some educational points that you want to get out there or what kind of things are you doing on those platforms? Well, I basically use MIMS. <laughs> I use MIMS to reach people, which is insane. What is I that? Used to, MIMS are like pictures with words. Basically. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, MIMS nowadays, that's how you kind of reach people um, through awareness. For me, uh, music is is a pretty good reach but sometimes people don't listen all the time. So visual videos kind of through music helps too, and art. That's basically how I reach people. Well, the, the memes, definitely huge. I actually have taken some of your memes and, and uh, tweeted them out and used them on my platforms. They're really good. Where do you get those? Do you find them on the internet or do you make those? I find them everywhere, honestly. But... I, I kind of do my research on certain pages. It has to make sense. But, you know, pretty much everywhere, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, when when things are going on in the world, that's when 
they really start rolling out all over the place. I just really kind of research and, and search for them, you know, through things going on in the world. I've actually found the same thing that um, sometimes like I do a lot of writing on Twitter and I do this long form podcast, but I find sometimes those memes are some of the best, quickest ways to reach people um, and get out a point, you know, without too much, uh, you know, without too many words, you know, like a picture, what is it? It's worth a thousand words kind of thing. So for example, I remember the one that I retweeted out and put on my Instagram. It was basically a skeleton, a disheveled human being looking into the mirror and saying, you know, another 30 years and I'll finally get to start enjoying life. You know, it was kind of hard for me to probably yeah. say all that. Uh, maybe it would take a few paragraphs, you know, but the picture of a skeleton, uh, just a beaten down uh, skeleton, whatever remained of a human being uh, looking into the mirror, looking into his own eyes or her own eyes, whatever it was a skeleton. But, uh, you know, just the fact that we're here on Earth for such a short period of time. And yet the majority of our time here on earth uh, are the majority of our waking hours. The best years of our life uh, is spent serving a master, you know, working for a boss. You talked a little bit on the pre-call about a hierarchy, but the majority of our waking hours, and sometimes people need two or even three jobs to keep food on the table. So we're spending at least eight hours a day, maybe more, most people in America and around the world for, you know, serving the, the man, uh, being a widget in the machine, essentially being tools of production, and sometimes not getting an opportunity to just kind of look up and, and, and be in awe of the blue sky and the clouds over our head, or just you know be able to smell the roses, smell the flowers, listen to the birds sing. Um, so that meme spoke to me. What do you think about all that stuff? Well, you're pretty much hit everything on point. You pretty much have to be aware from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. You have to know what's going on around you. Um, When you get used to living your life in the same way every single day, you kind of start either, either you just stuck in the matrix or you just become aware and you think ahead of what's going to happen or what you have to prepare for. So if you're not prepared for what's coming, and if you don't even know what's coming, you still have to kind of prepare yourself just in case something happens. You know, that that just has to do with life in general, like uh, life insurance policies, you know what I mean, before you die. It's pretty much like your awareness is a life insurance policy. You know what I mean? You have to know what's going on and know where you're headed pretty much. Who do you think's in control of society? I mentioned before, you know, working for the man, working for bosses, hierarchies. You've worked in the, you've worked in the um, restaurant business. You're a chef. Um, maybe talk to just you know the restaurant business, how it's structured. Uh, you know how there's an ownership class, how there's a hierarchy of people coming in and telling you what to do. Um, it seems like again, most people are working their entire lives serving a boss, serving a master, being a widget, being a tool of production, uh, who's in control? Who controls our lives? Seems like uh, a lot of the times I'm not in control of my own life. I have responsibilities and places I need to be, and certainly as it relates to work, uh, five days a week. I know where I'm going to be five days a week, no matter what. 
uh, and the only option uh, if I don't report to work, you know, if I get fired, um, you can go hungry, you can live under a bridge, or you can kind of keep working until uh, what I say is like everything in um, a capitalist society is commoditized. So, for example, freedom is commoditized. And if you have a lot of money, you can buy a lot of freedom. So who's in control? I think the people that started living here in the U.S. kind of made these rules. So these rules were pretty much built from them. And then on and on, they just became bigger and bigger and bigger. They started these policies. I mean, honestly, if I think about it, there's really no rules that you have to live by. But the only way to live in this world or this USA, United States, you have to follow these rules. If there's a certain, these certain rules you follow for a certain amount of time, you get a certain amount of respect. And after you get that respect, you become part of the people above the policies. And you can kind of be involved in those rules and change the rules as you want to. You can't really do anything until you follow the people that you're under. You know what I mean? You got you kind of have to like follow them, keep your head down. And once you get to a certain point, you know, if you're smarter than the usual, you don't you can't really talk about it. You have to just kind of follow the rules and then make your own rules when you get to that uh, level. Yeah, I think that rules and laws are typically made by the rich and powerful. Uh, Rules and laws uh, are for poor people and middle class people. They're not for the rich and powerful. Uh, The rich and powerful usually make up the rules uh, for everyone else to follow, but they don't usually have to follow them. Um, I think that there's, you know, two criminal justice systems in the United States um, one for the rich and powerful and one for everybody else. Let's, let's table that, uh, criminal justice system, uh, debate or talk, I guess, not debate. We're just talking. Um, let's table that. I want to get back to though, like the restaurant business, the hierarchy. Um, do you think it's fair that, you know, there's an ownership class that comes in and, you know, tells you what to do or how to do things? What my beliefs are politically are those that, um, you know, workers, should own and control the means of production. There shouldn't be like an ownership class. There shouldn't be, you know, some investor that owns a restaurant and comes in, you know, once a month to fire people or tell people how to do their jobs. I think the chef and the, um, the, the kitchen staff and the wait staff, I think they can manage the restaurant themselves. They don't need bosses or hierarchies, you know, to tell them how to do things. Um, so that's my political philosophy. Generally, uh, I'm a working class professional um and i i want a democracy a democratic society structured around democratic workplaces like co-ops and i kind of quote all the all the time um the factory girls uh, of the 19th centuries the 1800s late 1800s during the industrial revolution these factory girls they were driven from the farms and the factories uh during the industrial revolution and they're kind of motto or battle cry or whatever it was, you know, those that work in the factories ought to own them. So I agree with that. So what do you think about working for a boss? What do you think about the hierarchy? Uh, and what do you think about the restaurant business generally? Do you think you need a boss to tell you what to do? Or do you think the kitchen staff and the, and the waitresses and, you know, the service staff and the front of the house, back of the house, do you think you could do this without a boss? Yeah, I think the people in control 
kind of control everything and how it goes. Um, you do need a boss to kind of teach you how the system goes in each job. So I don't think there's there's no question that you don't need a boss. But what I do know is you don't have to have the title of a boss right. to teach someone, you know, what to do. Like I, I usually teach a lot of people how to do things at work, but also I'm not I'm not the boss. You know what I mean? But they listen to me a lot of the times because I have the experience. But I still I'm not in that position most of the time. You know what I mean? I might know more than the actual boss above me, but the, the boss above me makes all the rules and tells you, you know, when to walk, when to talk and everything else. So. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, for sure. I, I, I think that, you know, people need guidance. I think education is a great thing, learning from people that have been there and done that. But, yeah, I, I don't think you necessarily need the title of boss. I don't think we need a hierarchy in the workplace or really anywhere. I believe a classless society is possible. Um, yeah, what do you think about the system and the way it is, the way our reality is set up? What do you think of it the way it is? And do you think that there's a better way to do things? You know, that's kind of what I'm all about. I like to describe and articulate the way society is structured, but then I also like to critique it and say that, you know, there could be a better way to do things. For example, there doesn't have to be a healthcare system where something like 30 million people are uninsured or where we have a, a, a prison state, you know, or a state of mass incarceration with 2 million people or something along those lines behind bars. We lead the rest of the world in that. Uh, do we really need to be spending a trillion dollars on our war budget? They call it the defense budget, but there's no one threatening the United States right now. So that's kind of what I think. You know, how is society structured and how could it be structured better? Perhaps our priorities could be instead of war or bailing out Wall Street, bailing out the banks and giving, you know, rich and powerful people billionaires tax breaks. What if we focused instead on social programs like Social Security, Medicare, healthcare, education? Like, what if we provided education for free for everyone, not just K through 12, but higher education? Uh, we certainly don't do that uh, because we have a $2 trillion student loan crisis right now. And the Biden administration is actually making um, borrowers pay back that debt, even though they promised on the campaign trail to cancel 10000 and I think later $50,000 in debt. So uh, my question again, what do you think about um, you know society, the way it's structured, and do you think that there's a better way to do things? I certainly do. I think the structure is the way it is. There's really nothing we can do about it. Um, but there's also levels, you know, lower class, middle class, high class, and that's just the way it is. I don't know who made the system up, but that's just how it is. There's really nothing we can do until we follow certain rules. It's just how it is in the USA. You can go to any other country and the rules are different. You know what I mean? It's just the way the U.S. is set up. So the lower class get the shit. The middle right. class are, you know, on their way out of the shit. And then the high class kind of run shit. So there's really nothing we can do about the rules until we're at a certain level, it sucks, but this is how things run in the U.S. Um, if you're aware of how they run, you can get away with certain things. You can act like you're high class, 
but you know you could live on the on the lower class you know and people won't know it and that's that's kind of you know i would say kind of like a, a albert einstein or a, a robert robin williams type person you know they have they have the uh they have the mentality yeah, they just, yeah they, they just don't show it you know what i mean things like that um, I think a better society is possible. I think change is possible. It's not going to be easy. There's always an uphill battle. We're both from Western Pennsylvania. Um, I remember the reading about the homestead strikes, the homestead slaughter, where essentially, um, you know, those steel mill workers, uh, I believe it was the, uh, late 1800s, they demanded, um, better pay. They were making, you know, a couple bucks a week or something like that. They're struggling long hours, 10 or 12 hours a day, lots of workplace accidents because there weren't safety standards in place. I think they worked six days a week or even seven days a week. They wanted weekends uh, and they struck, they, they went on strike. And um, what happened to them, you know, the Pinkertons, the private security forces by Andrew Carnegie and Frick, uh, you know, the ownership class of the steel uh company at the time, I think Carnegie Steel, which eventually came, went on to become U.S. Steel, which is the first billion-dollar company in the world, they, again, brought in the security forces, and they killed, they struck down the Pinkertons. Uh, the Pinkertons struck down, you know, and, and killed a lot of the striking workers. They used violence to, you know, get them to so, obey. Um, and, basically, you, know, you got to pretty much stand up for yourself and, you know, what you what you think is right, just to get to that point for sure i think though that a better society is possible and i think at one point in time um you know uh there's a lot of people saying you know slavery uh we can't have a society without slavery slavery you know happened for thousands of years if not more maybe the majority of human history I, i'm not sure but it certainly happened throughout written history the majority of it only recently the last couple hundred years few hundred years uh, we finally got rid of it and eradicated it, abolished it. Um, but as much as people said that slavery, you know, society wasn't possible without slavery, it is, obviously. Uh, I think a classless society is possible. I don't think there has to be upper class, middle class, lower class. I think we can have a society where, you know, I, I think a civilized society is a society that treats the most vulnerable people, the people with issues like mental health issues. Maybe we can talk to that a little bit or maybe older people, um, diseased people. I think that a society that treats the most vulnerable people well you know, and, and doesn't require, um, you know, them to work, whatever, long yeah. hours, that takes care of them, that gives them health care, that sort of stuff. So I think that that is possible. And I think the way that we treat the most vulnerable people in society, poor people, disadvantaged people, all that kind of stuff uh, is, is a good measure, a good barometer of how civil a society is. So I do think, though, that a classless society is possible. Um, and during the actually the party of Lincoln, the Republican Party, which the party has changed a little bit during the Civil War, many people on the north thought that they were fighting against this new industrial system uh, of wage slavery. They said that wage slavery wasn't all that much different than chattel slavery, other than um, it was temporary. 
So, you know, you work for a master, you know, uh, maybe eight or 10 hours a day and you eventually get to go home and maybe one day you can even afford to retire. Shadow slavery is not temporary. It's permanent. It's in your entire life. And maybe at the end, if the slave master dies, they set you free. But the system of, uh, again, wage slavery, renting yourself to a master working every single day is not all that much different than chattel slavery other than it's temporary. So what do you think about all that? And what do you think about a better society without class or at least without rigid class lines? There's a there's a lot of points when it comes to, to slavery and, you know, slavery in the workforce, but also going back to just slavery, you know, in this uh, United States, uh, I just feel like this United States was built off slavery and the mentality of a lot of um, whites. Um, no disrespect, but you know they still have that mentality as they can white control supremacy. Things. White, yeah, white supremacy. They control things yeah. for sure. I talk about this all the time on my show. So no disrespect. I'm a white male. You're a black male. No disrespect. And these are these are things that I think it's worthwhile talking about the differences in race and how society is structured. But no question. Uh, do you think white supremacy and racism is still a big problem right now in the United States? Uh, it's 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 hidden. You know, it's it, it's not a big problem, but it's hidden. Um, we see it. Honestly, I still see it um, in my workplace, but it's not spoke on. But it's it's silently shown. Um, honestly, it's very it's still very hard for a black guy to to tell a white person or a white crew what to do. They just don't feel like. They have to listen at the time. So, I mean, it's it's just a silent, it's silent, you know, it's just not spoke on anymore like it, like it's used to. I mean, you could, you could be around, you know, a lot of black people and, you know, you'll be cool if you're, if you're in, in our area around, around the hood or, you know, around a, a crew of, of black people and you know we'll accept you but it's different when a black person is around a lot of white people it's not easily to be accepted i just don't understand it but there's also a mentality that we kind of grew up on and this is the the mentality that we have to get rid of it's really hard to get rid of so i don't really know how that's going to happen in the future but you know i, I don't so have answers either but it's, it's deep. It's buried. You know, some people might, might not even see it, but it's there for sure, right? Yeah, it's there. And I think, like, we talked a little bit about mass incarceration. Let's go to the criminal justice system. But a disproportionate number of people um, are locked up in the United States that are black and minorities, uh, especially compared to white people. Um, prison labor, you know, you struggle uh, and are forced to, to work on pennies a day or, you know, dollars a day or even some states. I think Texas, you don't even make any money. It's just included as good time. So if you do prison labor, you might have good time to get out maybe a little bit earlier. What do you think about um, – prison labor uh, and maybe slavery never ending uh, because kind of what the Jim Crow South did was criminalize black life. So uh, slavery was uh, abolished, but then all of a sudden, you know, they started uh, chain gangs, you know, throwing black people in prison for drugs and all kinds of stuff, uh, minor yeah. offenses, victimless crimes. So what do you think about the criminal justice system uh, in the United States today? And you have some experience with it. And then what about mental health? Uh, maybe someone that needs, um, 
you know, some some uh, resources that have mental health issues, and yet they're just kind of thrown in prison and, uh, you know, not given those resources. Yeah, I think the, uh, the prison system, supposedly what they say is it was built for criminals, but also before that it was built for black people to be locked up in. Um, I don't really know how deep that goes, but, you know, I think it's a control thing. So if you, if you lock black people up, um, and you don't really give them any kind of rights, you know, they kind of lose this confidence in themselves and they lose, you know, hope for who they are. So I think it, it builds on that kind of thing. Um, I don't really know the police force and, and how they do things, but I also know it's kind of a mentality. It goes back to, you know, the slavery days where police had this control over, you know, black over, you know, white over black pretty much. So uh, it's still going on. It's just silent. It's silently going on. Um, what do you think my, about yeah, mental, my, mental health? Yeah, what about mental health in the prison system? This, this is my experience, you know, from selling drugs and, and being locked up sometimes. Um, no one's really treated fairly, you know, and, and it, it don't have to do with just black people, but, you know, whites, Hispanics, um, you all get treated the same. You get treated shitty. You know, it's pretty much part of going to jail. So you just don't you just want to stay out of that that road. But uh, when it comes to uh, you say mental mental health. Yeah, you talked a little bit about maybe your daughter and needing mental health resources and, and being in the criminal justice system and how there's a lack of resources for people that have maybe mental health problems. Yeah, so she she uh, had a, a little bit of trauma in her life. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't have the best relationship. But when she came to, to live with me, it kind of spiraled out of control. And um, mental health facilities came into play. The juvenile system came into play, and this was in Florida, so it's a Republican state. Um, so they're pretty strict on a lot of things. But after a while, they couldn't help her with anything. Um, if she doesn't abide by certain things, um, or if she goes against certain laws, this goes back to the laws and how things are. So if you don't listen to certain things or follow certain rules, you go against them. You're going to get treated like crap or you're going to be called crazy or, you know, you're pretty much going to get fed to the wolves. And she got fed to the wolves. Um, she got taken away from me. Um, it was very hard to get her out of the system. She's still in the system. She's been in it probably about 10 years. But she's doing a lot better now because she fought hard to stay away from certain things and certain people but they definitely treated her like shit they kind of fed her um medicine that she didn't need it's just protocol for certain nurses and facilities they, they feed you stuff and if you don't abide by it they kind of you know call you crazy so um i just don't think it's it's fair with any system the prison um, the mental facilities. I don't know. There's just cert there's certain laws written that you have to follow, and if you don't follow those laws, you just go against everything. Yeah, I think there's a lot more to mental health than pumping someone up 
uh, pumping someone with medications, especially maybe against their will. Um, what do you think mental health is all about? And what about the resources um, maybe, you know, people have in society? Are there adequate resources for mental health? Uh, there's, there's adequate resources, but as I said, there's only a certain level of resources in the mental health facility or uh, field. So if if you're coping and you're learning these these certain coping mechanisms and you're getting better and you're you're communicating about what you go through, the trauma and the depression and everything. So um, after that, there's really nothing else they can help you with. All you all you do is pretty much call them and talk to them about what you're going through. I've I've dealt with a therapist for almost eight years over video and in the office. And this was because me and my daughter were going through things. And after three to four years, we didn't have nothing to talk about. He was telling me that I know what I'm talking about. Just keep doing what you're doing. So you really can't help me anymore at a certain level. You just, you're just someone I can talk to. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's just valuable though, right? Sometimes that's valuable. Sometimes people yeah. don't have, um, you know, so I think social uh, support systems are, I just had a neuroscientist on there and we talked about like, what is health? I think health is eating right, getting some exercise, getting outside, uh, interacting with people, having a social network to talk to. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that go into health and mental health, certainly, but yeah, sometimes just having someone to talk to, whether it's a therapist or a friend or a family member, or maybe even just someone online. Sometimes that's, I think something we all need, especially as more and more of people are, you know, with COVID, like work from home, working remotely, being isolated and itemized, you know, sometimes people need, uh, everyone needs that human interaction that that, that's very valuable. Yeah, true. Uh, what do you think about rehabilitation, like like crime and punishment, right? The jail system was it? Is it is it uh, in prison? Is the purpose to rehabilitate, make you a better person, help you learn, and help you reintegrate into society, or is it just about punishment? You know, you do a crime, you do you serve your punishment, and that's it. Um, I is think it it's about, and what should it be about? Should it be about punishment, or should it be more about rehabilitation? Uh, I think it's 50-50, but, you know, the prison system is, is all about control and crimes. Um, I don't really know too much about the rehabilitation part. Um, if you're there a certain amount of time and around certain certain good people, maybe you can be rehabilitated, but you have to leave the prison and go to those classes outside of the prison to be rehabilitated. You can't be stuck in the prison system where there's fights and you don't really get to eat certain things and you don't get to talk to certain people. That's not what prison's for. You know what I mean? It's for to be locked up for doing something you wasn't supposed to do. What do you think about um, just generally like the, what I mean by rehabilitation is prepare you to reintegrate in society, uh, maybe learning, education, certifications, job training, whatever, degrees even. I think Prison prisoners should be an inmate should be allowed to pursue degrees. Why not? Um, yeah. you know, again, certifications, training. Can you talk about you know your experience in the criminal justice system? Were you prepared to reintegrate into society? Did they prepare you to kind of get a job and, and get training, or did you do that all on your own once you got out? Um, it kind of helps. There's there's programs that you got to go through to get to those uh, certain points, but. 
honestly, my experience, I was in and out. And from my experience, they don't really, they don't really help you unless you're willing to help yourself. You know what I mean? You have to ask for those programs. You have to go to court and ask to be a part of those programs. So if you just go in there and, and act, you know, big and bad and don't care, you're going to be stuck in there. You know what I mean? You have to ask for those things and be willing to get better yourself. They don't really help you do that. They want you to, they want you to be humbled. I think, you know, those in power, they want you to humble yourself, uh, be vulnerable, yeah. be willing to follow the rules and then, that's when they're willing to maybe work with you. I guess I'm just as kind of yeah. as I hear you talk. Uh, you you did some reading in there and maybe uh, you know outside of uh, prison too. Uh, what's your influences? You said you read some. We did a pre-call. Uh, Robert Green. What sorts of things do you like to read? What's sort of your influences? Who taught you? You know your worldview, your critical thinking skills. Uh, there was there was some some guys that I, I met going in and out of jail. Um, they put me on to certain books with Robert Greene, uh, 48 Laws of Power and um, The Laws of Human Nature, um, just self-awareness books, um, critical thinking books. But also, you know, sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I did use the Bible to find certain words and things that kind of I could connect with, certain chapters I can connect with. Not all of them, but, you know, I'm just, I was just being aware of myself and where I was. Um, my influence was the people that humbled themselves while they were locked up and they got out and they changed their lives. You know what I mean? I never really got influenced by people that just kept going in and out of jail. I just couldn't see myself learning from that. You know what I mean? I just, I learned from the people that told me what to do and how to do it. What about religion in your life? Uh, how has religion shaped your world views? What is your religion? Uh, and is it important to you? Well, since social media came about and, and grew so big, I kind of lost that church religion feel. I used to go to church as a child with my mom all the time. And we had, like, she forced us to go no matter what. It was every Sunday. Um, and I really didn't have no clue on who God was or the spirit and this, that, and the third. But um, as I grew up, I kind of lost that being around people and trusting, you know, believing in God. I believe in God myself within God. He's within you. So if you, you have God within you or you believe in God, uh, the spirit within you, then, you know, that's the God that I believe in. I don't really believe in a person in the sky. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, I've I seen so many things visually online and, and how people are like hypocrites in church. So I kind of stared away from that because it's all about the spirit of God inside of you. What about maybe Robert Greene or some of the books that you read? What about your critical thinking skills? Uh, what maybe, what do you educate people about critical thinking? Uh, and how does like critical thinking shape your worldview? Perhaps you could give us some examples of maybe things that were told or shown, uh, you know, on TV or the media or told by the media or governments or corporations or whatever. And what are 
maybe the critical thinking skills that you use to say, hey, this is a lie. This is not how things really are. So can you talk that a little bit about maybe, again, your critical thinking skills, the things you've learned with your readings and maybe the things you've learned about, um, you know, just society generally in your t- just talks and discussions and just kind of in your journey throughout life? Yeah, there was a, a point in time where I honestly was living a lie. I could say that. So I had to become aware of things. So I was aware of friends and family that were telling me the truth. And then I realized from that point, why are they lying to me? Um, I started to see who was lying and who was telling me the truth. Like some friends would say, hey, this is around the corner. Watch out for it. And it wasn't. So then from that, in that experience, I kind of learned to uh, steer away from um, believing in what people say. I had to do my own research. I have to be aware of myself. So um, when I read things, I kind of read between the lines. If it makes sense, I kind of adjust that to my lifestyle. Um, Like, like, let's say, for example, People, people, people have this this thing where like you have to have a picket fence and a, and a beautiful house and a beautiful marriage and and two to three kids just to have a great life. I realize that that's not true. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. you can be on your own. You can uh, you you could make it on your own. You don't have to be in people's faces to 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 be popular. You don't have to be. Um, this rich guy, you know, with a mansion just to be truthful or just to be, you know, honest or be a person of interest. You know what I mean? Stuff like that made me aware of who I am and it gave me the power to spread knowledge to people like, hey, you don't have to be uh, a hypocrite to be loved. You know what I mean? Just be humble and be yourself. Be who you are. Even if people don't like you, if you have one or two friends, you could be you could be that person that people love. You know what I mean? I think I think part of that superficial reality Instagram influencers, you know, oh this is me and my loving husband or wife and here's my two kids, here's my picket fence. Uh, even though maybe behind the scenes they got a lot of problems, as everyone has problems in their life. But I feel like social media really focuses on the superficial of things in life. Keeping up with the Joneses, like, oh, here's my big SUV, brand new, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that sometimes, I think social media can be a good thing, it can connect people, but just generally in society and culture, there are some things that we're taught, you know, like mindless consumption, you know, we need to keep buying the next big thing, the next big gadget, we need to get married, we need to have kids, Uh, and that's, you know, just not the case, I don't think, so I think sometimes there's a lot of that superficial keeping up with the Joneses, you know, on social media where you always have to post yourself as super happy, this is me on vacation, this is my... Uh, loving family, this is my big house, you know, this is whatever, uh, here's my three-car garage, that kind of stuff. Um, and again, I don't think that that is, you know, necessary to a happy life. I found that out too. I love being alone. Uh, I'm an only child, so I think only children generally like like to kind of spend a lot of time 
just thinking introspectively and that kind of stuff. So here's the big question I love to ask on the show. What's the meaning of life? What's it all about? What are we doing here? Uh, we're really just kind of following our, our hearts. That's really, you know, the meaning to everything. You follow your heart. You follow what you love. And you'll get to where you want to be. Um, I don't really know the meaning of life, but there's a meaning behind, you know, what you do in life. Uh, there's a meaning behind my music and why I'm talking to people. You know, they might hear something. They might see some type of influence. There's a meaning behind my art. Like, I'm good at what I do, but there's detail in it for a reason. I don't know the meaning of the the life pretty much. I just, I just go with the awareness and, um, you know, just follow your heart and just be aware as much as you can. I can't really say what the meaning of life is. It's really hard to say. There's, there's really no definition to what life is, you know? So maybe you find it within yourself, meaning. Yeah, kind of, kind of find it within yourself and, and what your goal is um, as a person and how you, you know, help people in life. But other than that, man, you just got to be honest with yourself and be honest with people no matter how much it hurts. Uh, I want to go to your art. Let's talk about your art to finish with. But you did say something about knowledge. I'd love to find this as well. What is knowledge, wisdom, and how do you know when you found it? That's a pretty good question. Um, I'm a philosopher, so philosophers have been talking about knowledge and ideas for as long as human history, going back to even like Plato and Aristotle thousands of years ago, uh, and no one has really done an excellent job at defining it. So this is a question I like to talk about and think about, but there's just like the meaning of life. I don't think there's any clear answer. I have read some stuff, uh, and a lot of it is similar, where you kind of go on a you research for yourself, try to get to the root, try to get to truth, try to find out for yourself. You know, you see things in the world, things are taught to you, things are shown to you, things are said to you. But sometimes people have an agenda. Sometimes people are untrustworthy. Some people are trying to coerce you or mislead you. You never know. Uh, so kind of what I like about truth and knowledge and wisdom is you got to know when you find it, you know, but you got to go on some sort of journey to really look for it. And it's hidden. Just like you said, like racism is hidden in our society. So is truth and knowledge and what's really going on out there. So I think the only way to get to it is to really look and look hard. And I think, you know, it when you find it, but it's not easy to get there. Um, I think um, once you know who you are as a person, that knowledge is it just comes out. Um, I figured it out when I started posting the truth online and offline. If I speak the truth to people or I'm aware of what's going on and I speak it to people, um, when I started getting that um, attention, just speaking the truth, that's when I knew I found the knowledge that I need for people to critical think, to be aware. That's when I know, like, look, man. If people are liking this stuff every single day and I'm not even really posting anything glamorous, it's just a certain word or certain, you know, visuals that aren't really glitter and glint. Like it's kind of dark if you ask me, sure. but yeah, people really relate to it. And that 
told me that's the knowledge people need. That's you're on to something. That told yeah, you that's you're on to something. It's appealing to people. People like it. People are drawn to it, even though maybe it's dark, even though it's not glamorous. Uh, and that gave you the that gave you the reassurance that hey, maybe I'm on to something, right? Yeah, that that showed me like people want to get rid of their dark side and learn the dark side too. They just don't know how. They don't know how to be aware. But that kind of opened my eyes to well, this is where I need to be at, and this is the knowledge I need to spread. We got about ten minutes or so. Um, what is art? I love I love these big questions. These are difficult questions to define. No one has ever done a great job in defining them. Let's talk about your art and what is art generally. I feel like art is just an expression of who you are. Um, I feel like um, I feel like I'm I'm a pretty handsome guy. This is this is just who I feel like I am. I'm a handsome guy. But I don't have confidence in my, you know, what do you call it, uh, my beauty, because I could care less about my beauty. You know what I mean? But I express that through my art. Um, that's that's just how I look at it. Um, I'd rather express myself and my beauty through my art and my music and show people, like, this is what I see. This is what I see in myself. And, you know, that's what I like to put on paper instead of in a selfie or on a picture or dress up, you know, like nice, you know, stuff like that. That's how I look at things. Let's finish this. Let's finish up with art. Let's focus on this for the rest of our show here. Um, Talk to me about, you know, getting into art. Have you been doing art all of your life? Uh, And you had said music is your art form. Is that the only art form that you dabble in? Um, you do what, like lyrics, uh, poetry, writing, all that stuff. Talked about maybe your journey uh, throughout your life with art and how and why is it important to you? It started off with me finding out that my mom was an artist. I got my talent from her. She um, showed me her art when she was in school and I was real young and she had some amazing art herself. Um, when I was in eighth grade, she showed me, uh, this, this program, uh, what is it called? Votech. She pretty much was like, Hey, I think you should be in this because you're starting to do art and I think you could learn from this. So she put me in this program of Votech. Um, and I went through it ninth through 12th grade, um, in ninth grade. I was in a class of all seniors and I was so good at it that they just accepted me. And that's when I kind of just went with it. In 10th, 11th grade, I kind of started learning um, the skills on commercial art and how to do it, um, you know, certain points. And uh, this teacher, Mr. Andercheck, he just pretty much taught me everything about commercial art and like it was, graphic design internet design graphic design or what kind of stuff uh it was it was more of uh uh pencil points um tracing uh putting pictures together um, um colored pencil um the meaning of what tracing you know it's just it was just the definition of 
of art in general. It wasn't really about the drawings. You know what I mean? It was more of the whole definition of art. So I learned that for four years and then I just took that and ran with it. And now I did it on my own. I started like how I got so good at it was through tracing. I, tr I used to trace so much that I just bit like, I don't even have to, you know what I mean? I just, I, I just do it so good now because I learned to trace so much in, in class. And that's how I got good at, you know, doing art. You do it like for a career, for your job or anything? You're a chef, is, that's your nine to five. Do you do like art on the side uh, for just your personal enjoyment as a hobby or do you do it, you know, professionally? Uh, I kind of do it both ways. I'm not really into it professional that much, but I do it on the side and I also do it for like uh, certain, you know, museums. Um, I just didn't, I never pursued it like I should have, um, but you know, it's just some. It's something that just it's it's in me. I just you know, I never really learned the business. I learned the art, but I never learned the business. So that's where I have trouble with. Um, that's why I do it on the side right now. I don't really do it um, like a profession. Um, what about like what what sorts of things do you draw or make design uh, like like photos, pictures, drawings, and all that stuff, or do you have a certain theme or a certain thing that you like to make or draw or create? Uh, more, more like uh, portraits of people, um, still photos. Um, uh, I did a few murals. I did some wall art. Um, you know, I really try to stick to people and things and animals more than anything because I like to bring out who people are and, and my details when I draw. That kind of helps me express myself on who I am through the art. What about your music? Talk to me about your music. What do you do? What kind of genre? Um, and um, yeah, what's your, what's your expression? What's your themes in your songs and your music? Uh, my music... It's like a coping mechanism. If you know, if you break it down, it helps me learn um, how to speak. Um, what I really want to speak. Um, you know, every every song is kind of changes the perspective on thing, but it starts with the beat. So when I hear the beats, it kind of helps me open up to how I want to talk to people. Um, but it's basically a coping mechanism, and I don't really tell people this, but you know, it just helps me get through the depression and you know the daily lifestyle. So my music is more of a coping mechanism than um, a form of way to pay the bills. Um, a lot of people told me to put my stuff on streaming apps, but it's honestly just a coping mechanism to get through all the pressure in life and the pain and the, and the past and just move forward. You know what I mean? Cause sometimes you really can't talk to no one about how you feel because they always try to use things against you. And it's really hard to talk to someone genuine about your feelings inside. So uh, music helps me kind of express that. 
Do you make like instrumentals? Uh, is it like hip hop? Do you do uh, yeah? What kind of genre? What kind of songs? Uh, what kind of music generally? Uh, just any music, honestly. Um, kind of R and B, uh, rap, hip hop. I mean, pretty much, pretty much all of it. I just try to, I just try to spread knowledge on on any type of music that I can, you know. And you, you do your own production, or do you work with people? Uh, I do. I mix and master my own stuff, make my own covers. Uh, I don't. I mean, if if people want to work, I work with them. But I pretty much do everything on my own. Do you ever do any like performances, or you just kind of make your uh, music and then do you put it out there on social media or anything, or is it just for your enjoyment? Uh, back when in my twenties. I did do some performances, but after a while, I realized kind of who I was. So I kind of lost that um, putting on for people because, you know, I I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to be that person to just be an entertainer. You know, like I lost that entertainment feel. Because it's not really about entertaining people; it's about just spreading the word and spreading knowledge. So, what's what's next for you? What's next for Todd? What do you want? You know, you're maybe <laughs> I don't know, not quite at the halfway point in life. Uh, but yeah, what's next for you? What's what do you want to gain? What's next in the chapter <laughs> of Todd? Where where are you going? And what do you want to do? And what do you want to accomplish? And do you want to keep, you know, working on your art? Is it going to be, uh, you know, a focus, a priority, this, the media, the social media influence and all that kind of stuff? Uh, you know, what's next for you? Um, I think the next thing is to spread what I know. Um, I don't really see anything next. It's just continue to, you know, spread knowledge and keep people aware of who they are um, with, with my art that can go on for the rest of my life. And who knows how many people I can reach with my art. That's like an ongoing thing with, with this uh, internet and all this AI stuff. Like it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's everlasting. It's infinity when it comes to art and music. So the more people I reach, the better more people I, I keep aware of who they are, then, you know, that's that makes me satisfied in life. You know what I mean? I don't really see anything next. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's really it's it's really tough to say what's next because this world is changing so much. It's really hard to tell what you can do next anymore, you know? I like some of the Zen Buddhism stuff, you know, just kind of exist, you know, no... No um, ego, uh, no desire, just kind of exist. You know, just sometimes existing is enough. It's a crazy world, and our time here is so limited. Um, kind of back to that original meme we talked about, just maybe looking up into the sky, he- hearing the birds sing, uh, you know, relationships with family members and friends, you know, just exist sometimes is pretty pretty incredible. Where we are, yeah, you gotta, rock, you gotta, traveling around the sun. You got to exist in this uh, computerized world nowadays. <laughs> you never know who's real and who's not in the next 10 years. 
What do you got? What do you got to say, people? We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, if anyone wants to connect with you, if anyone likes uh, what you are saying, or maybe even work on an art project or a music project, where can people find you? And if there's anyone else you want to say to the audience out there listening today, the stage is yours. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, you can reach me on facebook.com slash TEA123. Um, if you want to do music or art, you know, collab, whatever, just email me, uh, grips5 at gmail.com, and we can go from there, you know? For sure, man. It was a pleasure. I really, uh, I'm happy we got to uh, chat today. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Necessary Illusions. I also want to thank my special guest, Todd Grips Anderson, for a great discussion tonight on politics, philosophy, society, and art. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. No gods, no masters. I'm out.